Thank you for listening to the RSL Random Fan Podcast. Please enjoy the second half with our friend David James. Are there any players along those lines that you were surprised, you expected more out of them, or you were surprised they had it all together, or they didn't, they couldn't put it all together for RSL? It was kind of surprising to you. Kind of like uh, Tyler's favorite player, Johnny Menendez. So I think that. the thing you learn pretty quickly following Major League Soccer is that there's an adjustment for anybody who's moving in from another country. Then it's an even bigger adjustment if they're moving in from another country. And then how, how do, you know, if you're coming from Europe, there's a pretty good chance you speak English. If you're coming from South America, maybe you do, maybe you don't, you know. And so you got to factor all of that in. I think we've all been crossed up so many times that I just don't have expectations. Everything's surprising. Um, and you just have to see when a guy gets here. So I would say the one that surprised me because he got here and I thought he fit, and then in the long run he didn't and he was gone pretty quickly, was Burrito Martinez. Yeah. Because getting here, he he spoke English. He was a good player. He was really good on the ball. He seemed to like his teammates. He scored um, goals within the first couple of games. goals. The fans yeah. liked him. He liked it. You know, doing an interview with him early on, it's like, you know, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. It's like, we got a nice stadium. We got big crowds. The people are into it. And so it seemed like it was all there. And, um, you know, the official reason the club game when it came and left is he didn't come single. He came with a family. And, you know, his wife didn't like it and wanted to go back. And that may have been part of the puzzle. There was also, that was a tumultuous era. And I don't think he was in love with some of the turmoil behind the scenes, some of which we may know about, some of which we may not know about. And, and personally, having, you know, worked a long time and seen coworkers come and go and all that, it's often not one thing, you know. There's, there's multiple things. And so I thought multiple things were lining up and he was going to have a pretty good run because he had the talent. He seemed to have the attitude. It looked like he had the relationship with his teammates, with the fans. There were a lot of things lining up. And then at the end, you could tell something was going wrong and it started to come out right at the end. And then poof. he was. And I did think, you know, he might give it a – it's not going great here at the end. I knew there was some, some problems, but I thought he might give it another year and then gone, that was it. So I would say that's – that's the curveball that got me. But there's there's more than one. I mean, everybody can pick their own and be right because, you know, that's that's just how it works. You see flashes out of these guys, but do you really fit in the long run? Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. Well, DJ, what what's uh, what's the future with RSL? Is there anything for you future with RSL broadcasting helping? Well, there's, there's I mean, something. Yeah, there's something because um, you know back to the point that. All sports is local, and RSL has a big enough fan base that it matters, you know, and a big enough fan base that will go to TV. You know, the the fan base seems to go more, because uh, I've talked with Trey Fitzgerald about this a lot, you know, the sports talk radio matters for college football fans and for NBA fans, but the digital universe is, Trey said this once, the digital universe is sports talk for soccer fans, you know, uh, it's podcasts, it's social media, uh, it's websites. And so it's never really taken off in the radio sphere, but in TV, it, it definitely moves the needle. So there's a couple options here. One is it goes back to every, everything old is new again. And where I was from 2006 to 2010, you know, do we keep doing the Thursday night show? That hasn't been decided. I think it's more likely than not. Um, but the way the calendar falls, you know, the season ends, 
and everyone's exhausted and there's major changes with Apple. And so, and then you got the holidays. And so now all of a sudden everyone's talking about this and it's all done above, you know, my pay grade. It's literally, I work on the first floor and it's done up on the second floor. Um, so I think it'll get worked out and that'll happen because I think it makes sense for the TV station. It makes sense for the team, but they won't tell me anything until it's done or not done in either case. Um, so I think there, there's always the studio shows. And if I'm doing the Saturday night show and not broadcasting games, it'll be a big part of the Saturday night show. Um, and then there's, you know, Apple hasn't, Apple interviewed a lot of people and they haven't announced all their teams yet. I think the numbers are against anybody who hasn't been announced yet, but somebody's <laughs> going to get a call and get hired. <laughs> but, but if you haven't heard yet, probably not going to, but somebody will. Um, and then, you know, what radio stations are going to sign with? Much with the TV deal, that has to be ironed out. There were rumors about they might move last year, but they stayed where they were. What's going to happen now or a year from now? You know, I don't I don't have – I can't offer any guarantees on that. You hear rumors, but then you talk to somebody else and hear the opposing rumor, and pretty soon it's like, all right, well, let me know when you guys decide. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't, at, one point, I don't know. at one point, didn't RSL own a radio station? Isn't that what they uh, – at yeah, one point? Well, I mean, Deloitte owned their current station. Right. I mean, it was in the Chequets era when they bought a station. Gotcha. You know, so so they bought it and then they owned it, um, and Deloitte owned it until it was they were married until Deloitte sold the team, but he kept the radio. Um, okay. Now, will he keep it going forward? And if so, how long? And you know, blah blah blah. I don't know. We'll see. I'll be notified. And they haven't announced what they're going to do this year. I'm sure they'll have a radio station, but. We'll see how it plays out. That would that have to be a simulcast, or would they have somebody well, like you doing the call, or is that a, so, available through Apple? So what Apple has said, and I don't know if Apple's going to roll everything out day one, but when they announced this back in the summer, Apple was going to have their broadcasters, but apparently there's going to be drop-down selections because there are a lot of teams where the announcers are popular, and they've done it a long time, and they have a – and they have a tie. But the league and the clubs want to cut expenses. So why have 29 broadcast teams? Except in some cities, there's a real tie to that. So there's supposed to be a drop-down menu where you can pick home radio and visiting radio. Now, I've heard they're not going to roll that out all year one. Will they roll out just home radio year one? Will How well will the radio be synced in time to the broadcast? You know, will there be a lapse and a delay and will it buffer? And I mean, there's a lot of technology to work through and it's Apple. So I'm sure they have people who can work through this. How quickly you can work through it. Man, I'm not tech guy. I'm the wrong person to ask about that. Um, if I have a problem with my computer, I power it down and reboot it. That's what I know. Um, so, so I think that, you know, I think ultimately there'll be options, assuming this all works out and they get the subscribers and this works the way they think it's going to. Um, and so that was one of the things that was thrown out there is that eventually you'll have a choice of three broadcasters. And I, I think, I think that's where this is going. I think you're seeing ESPN experiment with things like the college football playoff where they have the main, and Monday night football, where yeah, they have the main broadcast, you know, but then they got the Manning brothers over here doing their own thing, which I think they've done. I think it's great. Yeah. The Monday night matchups haven't been that game. Good. The games aren't that good. But I kind of care. I need to know for the radio the next morning. And I got a fantasy player or the guy I'm playing. I play fantasy football with my college buddies. And, you know, they've got someone in the game. So you want to keep an eye on it. But I'm just not obsessed with every, you know, look what the left tackle does here. I don't really care. Um, and so the Manning broadcast has been great. And college football's had 
you know, coaches sitting around talking and people sitting around debating on another channel and, uh, you know, one team, their home radio here and the other team, you can hear their home radio here. And I think as we move into more streaming and maybe MLS is a little early, a little on the front end of this, maybe the NFL is with the Thursday night football numbers, but it's still where it's going. And I've always been limited by the number of TV stations, but on the web, you're not limited. So... I know on Thursday night they've experimented. Um, we had a Hannah Storm on our radio show, PK and I did, um, and she talked about having the all-female broadcast and how well that's worked out and, and everybody likes it. And it's not for everybody, but we're going into a different era in the media. Stuff doesn't have to be for everybody. You have to find your group, your niche, and if that works for you, who cares if it works for anybody else, you know? If it works for you, it goes back to local sports, local community. If you build a community with your broadcast, if it's not for everybody, that's okay. So what? So, Dunny wasn't in the, and sadly, you weren't in the first announcement yet. Both of mm-hmm. you, they came out with some uh, play-by-play and and uh, um, analysis and studio folks, and, and everyone expecting more announcements for more people. Yeah. Well, they, um, they haven't announced enough people for all the. I mean, they're going to need 12 crews every week, and everybody can't work every week. Um, you know, Jim Nance doesn't call every golf tournament on the PGA Tour. So uh, they'll have more than 12 teams. How often they deploy those other teams remains to be seen. And, and how many more they'll have, I don't know. Um, I, I can hear I, your name called pretty soon, right? Dunny's, Dunny's pretty wired in. I'd, I'd be surprised if he didn't end up, you know, doing stuff. So, But, I mean, he's been doing games. You know, he did, he did games for ESPN. He did Decision Day in ESPN Studio. He's called games for Fox. Back, if you remember when NBC had the rights, he called games for NBC. So he's... He's pretty wired in. I'd, I'd be surprised. I mean, I could be surprised, but I don't think I will be. I think, be, I, I think you'll hear his name. And uh, what do you expect from RSL this season? The last two seasons, lots of turmoil. You know, uh-huh. coach running away in the middle of the season to go sit on a bench somewhere else. We've backed into the playoffs. Um, last year, we kind of did everything to try and not make the playoffs. The year before, snuck in. Where do you see our, where do they need to be and where do you see them this season? Well, I think you need to be in the top four and you think you need to get a home game. I think that the West will probably look like it usually does. They'll probably be, give or take a team or two, they'll probably be two really good teams. Maybe there'll only be one and they'll run away and hide. And there'll probably be two teams that have complete disasters of a season. And then, assuming we're doing the Thursday night show, or if not on the Saturday night show, you're going to hear me at some point say, look, we're halfway through the year, and there's 10 teams separated by just six points. <laughs> it happens every year. It'll be yeah. shocking if it doesn't happen, you know? And so you're probably going to be in that group. It's a salary cap league for a reason. There's a reason you end up in that group, you know? Now, if you're LAFC and you got more money, or if you're Seattle and you got more money, maybe you go get enough talent, use that DP and TAM money, and you have people who want to play in those markets, who are being down the door to play in those markets because they can make a lot of money off the field. They've got a contract with an apparel company, whichever one it is, and the apparel company will give them a little extra money to be in LA. We would be naive if we didn't think that had happened at some point over the last 20 years. So if you're, if you're RSL, if you're um, Portland, if you're Kansas City, you can be well-run and you can make smart moves, but it's really hard to break out of that group. So try to do the right things to get to the top of that group and get yourself a home game 
And then if there's an upset, maybe you get two home games. I think the year Portland won it, I think they were the – I have to go look it up. I think they were the fourth seed, though. So the problem with sneaking in the last day is you're in, but it's six or seven seed. you got to play every game on the road. And we know traveling in this league is hard. We know winning on the road is just brutally difficult. And so to think you're going to win four in a row, man, give yourself one or at least a shot at a second home game at some point, which Portland got because RSL got on a hot streak and Portland got a conference final at home and then ended up with the with the final at home and, and then blew it and lost to New York City FC. So you you don't have to have the best record. And often the team with the best record gets you know knocked out. But you got to set yourself up to have a game or two. Don't make yourself play four on the road. So I think that should be what they're looking for going into the playoffs. And that is a small margin. It is one or two wins. And it's why you hear Pablo so often in interviews preach about not turning off for five minutes here or a throw in there. Because when you look at the standings, lots of teams can play the what-if game. If we turn this draw into a win, if we turn this one point into three, if we scored one more goal, if we given up one less goal, those two points, look what it could have done for us in the playoff race. And there's always teams playing that what-if game. But the fact is, the margins are usually pretty thin. I, I think one thing I'm very curious about with this team, I think they're going to have 11 good players, but I think what really defines you in MLS is when you get down to player 15, 16, 17, and 18. If you have to play the whole second group, you're in trouble. But can you mix in two, three, or four guys? And the thing we see when you're building a roster in MLS is, can you build in three quality players for two positions? And you mentioned you know, losing Herrera. Okay. They got Oviedo, so they lose Herrera, and Brody can play on either side. They've got two guys there, but injuries happen. Three games in a week won't happen. It still happens, but it won't happen as much, right? But you still need a third guy. There will be red cards. There will be yellow card accumulation. And at some of the positions, it's just a guarantee because you're, just, you're going to have to foul guys to prevent, you know, some guy walking in on your keeper. So – I think they have three for two in the defensive midfield. They might have four. Um, but the third center back, the third outside back, I think they're counting on their young guys. Unless they make some move that shocks us, they're counting on the young guys who come up through the academy, you know, play for the Monarchs. They're counting on them to be able to step in, not just for a game. If you're the third guy at those positions, you can go back in previous years and say, are you good for 500 minutes, 800 minutes, 1,000 minutes? Can you Can you start – Six games, can you start 10? Can you start 15? It's one thing to come in and play. It's another thing to come in and play well, but it's another thing to come in and play well when you've been scouted and planned for. And after people see you on tape and really smart players and really smart coaches try to put you, okay, how do we put this guy in a situation, this young guy in a situation he can't handle? Uh, that can get pretty dicey. You know, I, I think that for the first time in a while now, they, they don't look as thin in the attacking positions as they've, as they've looked in the past. Um, I'm not sure what the right combinations are, and that's really what Pablo will probably say this a million times. That's what camp is for, to find out which guys really feed off of each other and which guys really combine well. And sometimes you think you know, and you're surprised, both positively and negatively. So that's what the preseason is for, is to sort that out. So I, I'd be curious about the, the third center back and the third outside back. And that that has been a problem at center back before when they've had to go. And some years – some years they've gone like six deep. I mean, sometimes there's no hope. Sometimes you're just cursed and the, the soccer gods are against you. But in MLS, with all the travel and the heat and humidity, and, and now with another tournament that I think there's going to be money at stake, there's going to be 
real money at stake because you're going to be getting home games. You're going to be keeping your sponsors happy. And you're going to be keeping your season ticket holders happy. And right, and then you get berths in other tournaments, CCL. Um, and this market appreciates the Championship League and likes it, and the, the Champions League and likes it um, because of you know what we saw with Monterey coming in and that that tournament run. They like that. Um, I, I can tell you, I, I told you, you know, my my son is just relentless. What he's most relentless about is the international stuff, like the domestic leagues. Yeah, that's fine, but like, I mean, even as like a ten year old, he's like. They're playing team from Mexico, like this is real. If we take them down, you know, they start. But there's there's some truth to that. The U.S. national team got way more credibility when they could beat Mexico in a qualifier, and when the U.S. national team beat Mexico in the World Cup in a round of 16 to get to the quarters, they got way more credibility. Yeah. And the same thing is happening, just like in the last two years. You know, in All Star games are All Star games, so you know, in Campeones Cup, and but Seattle wins. And when you take just the totality of all of those over the last two years. And then you add in Nations League and you add in Gold Cup. Well, who's winning all of them, you know? And these teams are spending more money and they are getting better. And we have had a taste of, of that here and we do want more. So if you take that tournament seriously, well, now you're adding in at least, what, three more games? If you get out of group play and a knockout, you could be adding six games and you've already got 34 in league, plus you've got playoffs, plus the Open Cup, which is, you know, I don't think most teams will take it seriously right away. They'll have to play some some backups. They'll be down to guy 15 and 20 on the roster and giving them starts. But if you get deep and you get within sight, you know, you start getting to a quarter or semifinal, you're going to start playing your first 11. So hopefully for that U.S. Open Cup, RSL won't run into a juggernaut like they did last year oh. and get knocked out. I mean, maybe they'll play a team that's actually played, you know, only one game. But uh, <laughs> I sense the sarcasm. I like that. You layered it on. You just, just ah. So where another layer of peanut butter on that sandwich. So Let's get see back to this and swallow that. <laughs> so getting back to RSL, as a fan, uh, at, at the end of the season, if they are right where they were this year or the last season, the last two seasons, for me personally, depending depending on how the season plays out, minus all the intangibles, you know, injuries yeah. and all of that. Um, if it's a similar season and they just squeak into the playoffs, me as a fan, I'm going to be disappointed. Where do you see them? And if is if they do that, is there um, going to be danger there for like Pablo? What where do you see the team as a whole with all of this season? What would you predict? Uh, I would I would predict they'd be in the middle. To act, tell me if they sign a, a big time striker and if that goal scorer <clears throat> fits. And fits all the ways we're talking about, you know, fits with the coaches, fits with his teammates, fits culturally, and and scores goals. They have not had a big time goal scorer except for Demir's one breakout year since Sabo. If Demir is healthy and they sign someone, they could have more firepower up top than than we have ever seen, and they'll need it because the league is now better than it was five or ten years ago, and so you need that. So best case scenario, but I don't, you know. Predicting how healthy Demir is going to be, even if he's back from that injury, you know, you're in your 30s, you start to move towards your mid-30s, how many minutes can he play? And so if they have another big-time signee, and if there's real depth there, and when whether it's Demir or somebody else, you know, if somebody's not feeling great, if they can still put out a quality 11 while resting whoever's got an issue with a calf or a hamstring or whatever, that's not a situation they've been in before. 
you know, they've run lineups out there where you're like, I don't know where the goals are going to come from. And there was one game this year, and if you ever have a chance to talk to Pablo, he'll probably remember this. There was one game early in the year. I'd have to look it up now to see what it was. <laughs> I said, said, he's like, you know, where are the goals going to come from? I said, you, you just, you never know. And for whatever reason, and Dunny would say this, you're always down, DJ. No, I'm just a realist. I'm not down. And for whatever reason, I was like Mr. Sunshine this day. I'm like, ah, you never know where they come from. And Pablo, who <coughs> was usually way up, he was really feeling the burden. Like, I can't write that name. I can't use this. Guy. I can't start this guy. I can't. And it was really, it was like, it was right after they had trained, go through a light training at the stadium the day of the game. And so he, or the day before the game, I mean. And, uh, and he was, for whatever moment, he's usually he's pretty upbeat, but in this moment, he was down. And I'm like, Pablo, it could be a penalty. It could be a red card, Pablo. It could be a red card. And sure enough, there's a red card, and Arcel got the goal. Maybe it was Austin, because I think Austin took the red card, and then Brody scored from the top of the 18 in like the 88th minute to win the game. And my first question to him was, I'm the man I told you so. Is that a question? <laughs> Reaction. <laughs> and he started, and Dunny hadn't been there. Usually Dunny was there, but that day he couldn't make it. And Paul was like, you did. You said red card. I distinctly remember you saying red card. <laughs> you you called a red card, if you can call that kind of thing. <laughs> it was stupid and random. So to sit here and guarantee you what's going to happen when all this kind of, you know, one guy in one moment makes a decision is and there's a game-changing thing, you know. But I, I don't think they'll have the roster run away with it. They need to be – they need to be able to put themselves at the top end of that group so they spend the last two, three, four games fighting for home playoff games not to get in. Because once you get, you know, 15 games deep in the season, I'll be able to say there's 10 teams separated by five points. But when you get down to those last five games, usually don't say that then. Those, that's usually broken into two or three groups, a group fighting to get in, a group that can go either way, and a group trying to hold on to those top spots, you know. So how do you how do you get to the top four in the West? That'd be that that I think is a reasonable goal for them, knowing that LA is going to be loaded. And I think Seattle losing Garth is a big blow because I think Garth's track record tells you he is the best guy in MLS for what he did at a smaller club in a smaller market and what he did at a bigger club with more pressure in a bigger market. And basically, his teams go to MLS Cup every other year. They go to the MLS Cup final every other year, and so he's the guy. And having said that, I think Craig Weibel has proven he's not Garth, but he is in the next tier of people. So while Seattle may not be all of that, they should be close. They shouldn't fall that far. For Seattle, I think that uh, moving forward, I just really hope that they can continue to go on and on about how they invented not making the playoffs. That's what I hope. <laughs> that, well, I mean, the Sounders win a lot. So hearing any fan base that wins a lot talk gets on your nerves. But I do think that the Sounders missing the playoffs and before that LAFC missing the playoffs and the Galaxy missing the playoffs multiple times tells you that even if you're disappointed that they're fighting to get in the playoffs again, this is one of the few sports where anything can happen. What do we have that compares to it? Not college football, not the NBA, not Major League Baseball. We all knew last year that the Dodgers were going to be great and the Astros were going to be great and the Braves and Mets were going to be good and the Yankees would be good. Well, that was half the playoff spots decided before the season started, you know. But MLS, we know LAFC and the Galaxy and the Sounders all have built-in advantages in the way that these other, you know, Alabama and Georgia have, have built-in advantages. 
But Alabama's down years 10 and 2. But the Sounders can win the Champions League and then miss the playoffs. LAFC can miss the playoffs. The Galaxy can miss the playoffs multiple times. So you can't sneeze at making the playoffs because it is a salary cap league and there is so much parity. And you can't, the NBA escapes that because it's star driven. If you have one of the top five players, you're probably okay. Unless you're the Lakers and you completely mess it up, you're probably okay. But soccer isn't that way. That was one of the, one of the first things I learned about MLS when, when I came to town. Dave Checkett said, um, you know, I ran the Jazz and I knew about a star driven league. And I went to New York, Madison Square Garden, the Rangers. And and the Knicks, and he said, and we had it going. We had it going every once, but at, but he says I learned pretty quickly. Hockey's different because you've got three lines, and you got a couple sets of defensemen, and you got and you got your goalie. He says there's so many guys. One guy can't dominate the way Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan dominate. And he said, and as I get into soccer, that was the first thing I noticed. Soccer is way more hockey than basketball. He says we've got to build a team, and sure enough, he hires. Jason and Jason comes out with the team as the star, and you can just trace it right back through Dave Checkett's brain how that ended up happening. So, RSL needs to be good. It'll be hard to be great in the regular season, but if you can be good in the regular season and be great in the playoffs, that's the combo. Well said. And we, yeah, great insight. Um, <laughs> so, we didn't ask a question we usually ask Do you have a favorite soccer team besides? RSL. Wondered if you were going to skip that because growing up in San Diego, uh, as I told you at the start, you know, I'm my dad's kid and he was a San Diego lifer. He was born in San Diego. He watched the minor league Padre games. He went to San Diego State and roofed the Aztecs. And when the Chargers moved to town, he was a season ticket holder and he was worried about them moving to LA and he passed away before that happened. Uh, but he could see it. He just knew it. He could see it was coming. Right. And so I always rooted for, it had to be like, family underdog story and i've just never been able to decide like i'm gonna root for bayern munich they win the league every year that's convenient <laughs> they're guaranteed to be in the champions league and, and i just couldn't i didn't see what the tie was i didn't know their stories i didn't know their history like i knew the stories and the history of these other teams either because i saw it or because my dad did and he told me about it and so i'd never been able to and um and my son really got me into, I was into soccer, but he got me into international club soccer in a way I probably wouldn't have gotten into it without him. <clears throat> so I was talking with him one day, and this was probably probably 10 years ago now. And I was like, man, look at the prices on all these clubs. Look how much these teams are selling for, you know? You can never own a team. And he's like, you know what you could do? You could go find some tiny team in like Division 97 over there in England <laughs> and then try to grow it, you know? And it's said, but you'd have to have a stadium and you'd invest so much along the way. But he got me thinking about it. And occasionally I'd talk to him about, how would you do this and how would you do that? And he's like, ah, oh, just throw it out there. That's not really going to happen. We're not going to move to England and buy a team. We're not going to. And then I hear about the Welcome to Wrexham project. And I'm like, no way. Someone <laughs> is doing this. Oh, no. And so I heard about it and somebody, and it wasn't Dunny. And somebody told me they'd seen it. And they're like, you know, I thought it was going to be too Hollywood. And like, it's not, it was going to be like too much Hollywood and like not enough soccer. And, it's just, and then I watched it and it was like, yeah, I kind of like it. And I came home and it was after an RSL game. <clears throat> and, um, and the house is totally quiet. And, and I'm turning on the TV and I'm just flipping around, right? And you hit ESPN and what's on, you hit ESPN too. And I'm blowing through other sports channels. And I don't know how I did it, 
But I hit Welcome to Wrexham, and I hit it like episode 11 or 12 or something. And so I watched, and they run it back to back. And so I stayed up too late, and I, I watched three episodes. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired in the morning. But it was like, it was great. They did it because they are Hollywood. Pick somebody who represents every – so everybody in life will have a character in this. So <laughs> they got the pub owner who's the lifer for the sports, right? They find they find a, a, a widowed woman who um, finds her community that I've, I've talked about. She finds that group, that community at the games. I mean, she looks right in the camera and tells you. And you see her having proper English tea with her, well, I guess, Welsh tea, with her friends, right? And they're talking about the game the way my brothers and I talked about the Padres and Chargers and Aztecs when I was growing up. And then find the divorced dad, and he's really bonded with his two kids over sport. What, a dad who bonded with his kid over sports? Bingo, they got me. <laughs> you know, the public, there were just so many good characters. And there's just the proper amount of sidelong glances. And like Ryan Reynolds is this mega star, and he doesn't know. He doesn't, he doesn't know anything. Like, the game's tied after 90 minutes. He's got to go over and ask the guy, uh, what happens next? <laughs> okay, that's, that's kind of basic. Well, you can play 31 minutes, and you're gonna, they got to, <laughs> we can't make fun of him. He writes the checks, right? And, uh, and McElhinney, he's hilarious. I mean, when he looks into the camera right away and I'm like, am I going to like this guy or not? And he's like, hey, I'm a TV star. I got TV money. Good. Don't BS me, right? You're rich. He goes, but to do this, I need movie star money. And I'm like, okay, I like this. <laughs> he's like, I need cell phone money. <laughs> so, so the way they told the story and the total awkwardness, when they – take the cameras to the stadium and they've hired their guy, blanking on his name. And he's got to walk in and introduce himself as the new boss of the coach and players. And we all know a bunch of these people are going to lose their jobs. Right. And we know that they know, and we can see, and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be awkward. But it's like, if you're really going to tell a story and not whitewash it, put it in there. These people are going to lose their jobs and they know they are. Unless they do something great. And I can't remember the guy's name, but they've got the fans. He's, he's shocked. <laughs> and then he goes in at halftime and he gets a red card after like 10 minutes and the whole season's on the line of finale. And he goes back in the locker room and he's throwing stuff and he loses it. And the teammate comes in to console him because they're friends, but he doesn't tell him it's going to be all right because it's not going to be all right. And they put up the little graphic. He lost his job the next day, you know, and I'm like, they're really telling sports stories. They've done a great job of the Hollywood of giving us someone to identify with. And they're now going to try the impossible. They're going to try to move from the fifth division. And when the two guys are standing in midfield and uh, and Rob and Ryan are talking, it's like, you know, there's a version of this story where we're the villains. And I'm sitting I'm sitting home on TV like, yeah, you put this together. Everybody hates each other. The manager hates the cameras and quits midseason. And two guys get in a fight in the locker room like, yeah, and you get relegated because the next tier is semi-pro soccer. So they're not they're not happy about being out of the sh out of the show and being out of the top four, but they'll be really upset if they drop one more level. And so there is that they recognize it and they're like, well, that's not bleeping going to happen. <laughs> if any of my college buddy had, had, and there's one college buddy in particular who would absolutely want to do this, uh, if we had done it, you can imagine yourself like I would feel that, you know. So I am now at the point where. Um, I don't know if you talk, saw Talking Sports last Saturday, but when they went to Coventry and, and won, and I'm like, 
I showed I, I didn't have time to show all seven goals because we're a local show, but we were light because of mm. the way the holidays work and all that. So so I showed three of the goals. I didn't show the penalty. Um, and the um, you know the second goal, Dunny would have just lost his mind on. He's like that would. That was a cross. He missed the cross and it accidentally bent in. And I showed it. And I even said that if this were Thursday and Dunny were here, <laughs> I don't know if he meant to do that. Uh, so <clears throat> I can't, I didn't grow up rooting for the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Lakers and the Cowboys. I didn't grow up rooting for Notre Dame and Alabama and Ohio State. And I can't start now. I can't just say, man, you. Hey, hey, Arsenal, the Invincibles, I like those guys. Let's go with the only undefeated team in the history of English soccer. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't. I got to root for the underdog. Now I found the underdog, and I got to know the stories. The older you get, the wins and losses don't matter as much. The stories and the people matter more, and they're telling the stories and the people. So Wrexham's my team. If I go to England, one game I got to prioritize. I got to find a way. I got to get, I got to, I got to do it. I don't know if I'll ever go. But if I do, I got to go to Wales. I got to go to a game. And I'm definitely checking now. I follow them. If you go in to see who I follow on Twitter, I'm following Wrexham on Twitter. They're rescheduling games left and right. They're in multiple cups. I didn't know about all the the, the lower level cups, the FA Trophy and Carabao you know, Cup and, and the Senior yeah, Cup. Yeah, that one I knew about the Carabao. Yeah, but the FA Trophy and all the there's another one they're in. I'm blanking on its name even now. Um, so they're rescheduling games. I don't know their roster well enough. I've got to got to dive into that a little bit. Um, well, it is amazing to see games over there. I've had that opportunity because my favorite team is Crawley Town, and they are one level above. They're in League Two, and I've I've had the opportunity to see at least four games over there. Went to an away game against Forest Green. But we have the opposite end of the spectrum because we have new American owners that are <laughs> making a mess of it. We're on our fourth mm-hmm. head coach already Ooh. this season. Yeah, and so – Unlike Wrexham, where it's all uh, seems like it's all happy and roses, we're on the you other know, end. I wonder about that. They <laughs> they had a game that uh, streamed last was it last season FA Cup or maybe it's this summer. Maybe it's this summer early on in the FA Cup. But anyway, so ESPN had it, and it was and I taped it. It was on way too early in the morning. I couldn't. I do five mornings for radio, so I taped it. I'm watching it, and they they interview the manager, and like he's saying all the right things. But having been in a lot of press conference and a lot, listen to a lot of people say what they have to say, so you read the tone to get the truth. Not sure how excited he was. <laughs> yeah. The new owners for Crowley is Preston Johnson. You may know that name. He was on ESPN. He did a gambling show. Oh, really? A gambling show. He has the big beard. Um, uh, turns okay. out he's no uh, Ryan Reynolds so far, but <laughs> they're they're crypto guys, and it's it's really fascinating. So do they have enough money or do they suddenly not have enough money to do this? Because I have rooted for teams that suddenly did not have enough money. And that's There's not a pretty. fear there, but they say they have enough capital fiat. They bought the money. They bought the team. They didn't buy the team with crypto, but okay. they did do an NFT and raise $3 million. And so oh, well. there is some money there, but they may not. They well. don't have the uh, they don't understand the game just yet. That's why they're on their fourth head coach this season. It's been Pretty pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think the the show the show is brilliant because it's well done, but it makes their jersey worth a lot more. It makes the signage in the stadium worth a lot more. Uh, they have plugged Ryan's other companies um, during the show, so it's given them a whole new revenue stream that other people don't have. But what I I do like 
And I have seen in some interviews around Wrexham as the other clubs going like, you can't just buy your way out of the league. You know, you really do have to get everything yeah, right. You know, only everything. one team can win the league. And if you finish second, now you're in a tournament. And there's all kinds of pressure. And it and might so, be harder to get out of the National League and back into the EFL than winning the Premier League. It is some teams to go decades and some teams never come back once they've been relegated. It, yeah. it, there is a definite uh, dividing line there. And teams are petrified of getting out of the EFL and getting uh, yeah. relegated now. I just, I just wonder how good this is. And I, and I know soccer fans like to root for multiple teams all around the world, but I just wonder how much that holds MLS back because so much time, so much energy, so much money and so much passion gets spent on all these other clubs and how much would be get being spent on the clubs here in the United States and in Canada if the attention wasn't spread everywhere. Well, you that's know? one of the – I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's one of the things that Apple is forcing the teams I was reading. They want them to increase their content. Our, we're, we're blessed here because RSL yeah. is one of like five teams that – really invested in the community and, and broadcasting the team. And Apple's kind of forcing these other MLS, MLS teams to go down that road and really create content. 100% agree with that. I think that's a, uh, a great point. And uh, I saw that every team's going to be required to have like five short videos of, you know, historic games and uh, classic games. And some teams already do that. I stumbled onto one. And uh, and I brought it up with my son, and of course he was immediately like, "Oh yeah, I remember that." But there's the epic uh, penalties in Portland that ended up with the goalkeepers uh, having to take the penalties because oh, it yeah. just went on and on and on, you know. But that kind of stuff should be, you know, relived, replayed. There was the um, when RSL and the vid- getting the video for this might be tricky because it wasn't an MLS match, but when RSL went and played the. Um, crazy game in the rain in Cruz Azul. Um, Cruz Azul and that was wow I mean was what five, a, five or something uh no because I don't think they drew I think they lost so they lost five four or six four I'd have to look it up I can look it up but um yeah I mean it, there are these games that are just crazy and you should go back and even if you lose it's like the stories matter and if you win all the time then it isn't as dramatic so even when it's a frustrating loss tell the story Tell the story of losing 6-4 and interview Justin Glad, who's a teenager and his head is, you know, his head is spinning. But how that informs him, how that shapes him as a player, even though it's a loss, it's still it's an interesting story. And the stories from way back in the day. And there needs to be stuff just like funny stuff. Funny, like NFL films, before they put so much in NFL Network, did great stuff. They did something I watched with Steve Young. And uh, it wasn't just Steve Young, but he was in it. They did a whole thing on football players and the butt slap and like <laughs> behavior that is only okay in an NFL game. And then they're getting into butt slap and when you butt slap a guy and where, and for how long do you cup your hand or is it the flat hand? It ends up being, and these guys, a lot of these guys are funny. And once they get the point of where it's going, it just goes and goes and goes. And it's, it's hilarious. And, and Dunny has stories like that. He's got a, he's got a million of them. <laughs> walking around town just killing time on a road trip there's some towns that are more walkable than others and so it's fun and you can walk like vancouver is a great town if you haven't gone to vancouver for a game it's not the best game environment 
Um, as far as the stadium, the crowd's maybe a little light and not as loud, but the team hasn't been as good either. But as a city in the summer, oh my gosh, Vancouver's outstanding. And so we'd just be killing time walking around. He'd be telling me stories. stories. Teammates who are under pressure, deliver a ball, a little too much heat, a little too much pace. Maybe it comes off the ground a little bit towards the old man zone. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? Deal with it. In the middle, in the middle of a game. Deal with it. We got a game to play. They've all got stories. Just crazy, funny things that happened. Bizarro games. So, you guys. So, if you guys followed RSL from the very beginning, they all, yeah. all in right away. They went. Tyler yeah, was well, an announcement. <clears throat> Go ahead, Tyler. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was. I I missed. I think the first game I missed was in year four. So. Oh okay. <laughs> so so they're playing a Fourth of July game. It's the first year, and they got the fireworks, and we're sitting in the north end. And at this point, my son is playing on this. Uh, he's uh, how old would he have been? He would have been uh, seven, I think. And so, and he's been playing. He's playing rec soccer. He's not doing the comp thing yet. And so, one of the uh, uh, families lives like two blocks from the stadium. So we all go to their house and park, and then we walk over, and we all buy tickets. And there's like forty of us, right? And we're sitting in at Rice Eccles, and we're sitting in the uh, in the north end zone. And, uh, and, and Dunny hip checks somebody. He's pissed and he loses. Hip checks him and sends the guy. It was just the right angle and the right, you know, the guy was defenseless, basically. And Dunny hip checks him and he flies into the metal boards, the old school, not the electronic, but just the metal. And it's the concrete around the edge of Rice Eccles. So this guy hits the board. That makes the noise. The boards hit the concrete. That makes a noise. It echoes off the concrete in this bowl. That makes a noise. And Dunny gets red carded and sent to the. And, and he's like, he's like, it was the boards. It was the boards. If there hadn't been a concrete in the boards, that was nothing, right? So, I mean, the thing I remember that game, Dunny, is that you you get run. And now they're down, and and our cells down, two 0 and, and it, I think it was 2-0 at halftime. And Dunny, I think, got red carded in the first half. And my son says, you think they can come back? I'm like, it's 2-0 and you're down a man. I mean, I don't want to lie to the kid. I'm like, no, no problem. Not. They're down a guy two goals. I don't think they're coming back. And so <clears throat> somehow they get a goal. And then late in the game, they're just lumping along hopeful balls into the box. And I think – Christ is still playing. Ellinger's coaching. I think it was towards Jason, but whoever it is tries to bring it down, and it and it just totally gets trucked. Rep points to the spot. Penley Arsel converts two two. They salvage a point. And my son gets up and turns around. And at this point, he's seven, so he's pretty short. So when he stands up, he's basically looking me right in the eyes. He goes, "You didn't believe." <laughs> <laughs> it was all I could do not to laugh in his face. It was so much anger over this ridiculous mid-season, regular season game for an expansion team that's going nowhere because the rules are drawn up for them to take a beating for a year. Right. Subsequently, expansion teams could come in. But when RSL came in, you couldn't just come in and go right to the top. You were you were hamstrung. So, you know, you weren't going to be any good. And uh, and he was just going nuts. That's like, and I told Dunny that story, and he just burst out. Because he, he knows my, all of our kids have been in the box during games. So we all know each other's kids and all that. And he's like, he did this. oh, yeah. Although you and he goes, I didn't deserve that red card. Dunny's, Dunny's still bitter. He's trying to be a better broadcast partner, but he's still bitter about that red card. 
That was a raw deal. <laughs> I just think, like, all those stories in Apple, to, it doesn't matter if it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter if the team lost. It doesn't matter if the team, like, tell the stories. The stories and the laughter and that sense of community, that's, that's the real magic. I mean, RSL won the title. They've lost in a cup final. They barely squeak into the playoffs. They barely missed the playoffs. They've had years where they were nowhere near the playoffs. You guys still clearly have fun talking about them, wondering where they're going to go. And you know, if you're disappointed at the end of the year, it's, like, hmm, it's just sports. Yeah, we'll get so, the next you know, thing, right? <laughs> where do you see MLS going? We've got the World Cup coming up in the next cycle. Um, I think the, 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 broad, the viewership is going up. The fandom's going up. Do you see MLS sneaking in? Because for me personally, looking afar, I think if I was baseball and hockey, I might be a little concerned that uh, someone is creeping up and maybe getting past them. They're not going to probably jump past the NBA and the NFL anytime in my lifetime. Yeah. But I think I think that there is. Um, I think technology is making it easier to find your audience and connect with it. So I don't think anybody's going to go away. You know, all the leagues you mentioned. Um, from the revenue projections we see, and who knows how accurate they are, but they're all making a lot more money than MLS. I think the most important thing is that you, it goes back to what I said about, you find your niche and then you grow your niche and make it as big as you can. The only, the, the only all-consuming thing that we have in this country right now is the NFL. Everybody else has their lane. The NBA schedules around the NFL. Thursday night on TNT is appointment viewing for NBA fans, except it's not in Knock. In, in November, December, because they're avoiding Thursday night football. Like, everyone's got to get out of the NFL's way and find their spot. And I think technology's making it easier. I think there's huge upside because, to my earlier point, MLS has been limited to some degree in a growth because there are fans in the U.S. who watch um, the teams in Mexico. There are fans in the U.S. who watch the teams in England. There are fans who are watching in uh, what's going on in Germany or what's going on in Italy or Spain. And so all that energy and money, as MLS continues to improve over time, they're going to pull some of those, they're going to pull some of those fans in. You know, there is room to grow there. And, and, the, and Dunny said this on multiple broadcasts this year, as much as everybody talks about England and the Premier League in the world, and the time zone isn't great. The games happen so early in the morning. But when they play in Mexico, it's really convenient. The games that get the highest ratings are the games we see from Mexico, not the games we see from England. And so starting this new tournament, bringing those clubs here, getting the fans to cross over, you can root for more than one team as long as they aren't going head-to-head. There are plenty of team, plenty of people who root for an NFL team, root for a basketball or baseball team, root for a college team, and root for RSL. I have sat in an RSL game before I was broadcasting and watched one BYU fan get mad at another BYU fan because BYU was playing a big game and this one woman was calling out the score on what was going on and the other person had taped it and didn't want her to do it. And they happened to be sitting next to each other, but they didn't know each other. So there's no, hey, that's my sister-in-law. I have to deal with her for the next 40 years. It was just kind of, would you knock it off? And she's like, they scored! Oklahoma's blind! <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch these two come to blows. So we've all we're already rooting for multiple teams and following these team storylines. So there's no reason that two of them, I mean, that you might root for a pro football team and a college football team. Why can't you root for a soccer team in the U.S. and a soccer team in Mexico or a soccer team in England? And so with technology, and you talk to the 
RSL players who live in Europe and what they hear from their friends and family following the league, it's becoming easier all the time. And that's as much as the downside of losing the local voices and the lo local markets is a real concern. The advantage of anyone anywhere in the world being able to pay Apple and watch all the games could lead to a lot more fans and a lot more people around the world, a lot more revenue coming into the league, which means you get better players, which means more people want to watch you. You know, RSL, or RSL, well, RSL, lots of teams, including RSL in a growth cycle, but the league is in a growth cycle as well. But man, I, I, I know what people say about Major League Baseball, but if you look at the reports on their revenue, seven billion, eight billion, nine billion, dwarfed by the NFL, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Don Garber would take uh, MLS at $9 billion if he could get his, get his hands on it, you know. But it, it's like when I was a kid, there were like 220 million people in the U.S. I can remember having to, in some elementary school class having to know that. I'm like over 330 million people. There's 50% more people. So there's more for everybody right now <clears throat> to find their fans, you know. And, and Ryan Smith, I mean, he, own, he owns part of RSL, obviously, and he owns most of the Jazz. And he's talking openly now, like, what if we bring in baseball? What if we bring in hockey? And there's pluses and minuses to both of those. Um, but he has said, we've got enough people, and our economy's grown enough. We've got the bandwidth to handle that. He's not worried about cannibalizing one with the other. So I think, um, Brandon, it goes more to your point about how good is RSL? Where are they in the standings? How much excitement do they create? Are they battling to get to the playoffs? Are they battling to be in the top four? Are they battling to be in the top four? Are they battling to be in the top two where, hey, they only go on the road if they get to a conference final and face this team, right? And so that is going to determine how many fans they have, not the relative level of interest in whatever Ryan's new hockey or baseball team is, whether that's five years or 10 years or 15 years away, whatever it is. Like, man, stay in your lane, make sure your backyard looks good, and you'll be good. Because the arrow for the whole league is up. The arrow for a lot of leagues is up right now. NBA teams are making way more money than they did in the stock, the Malone era. But at the same time, there wasn't an MLS team taking money out of the market now. And now they're selling sponsorships for big money and naming rights for big money, and they're selling luxury suites, and they're all full. So there's enough to go around. Well, that's beautiful. Thanks, David James, for being with us today. I can't believe you're still bringing the heat at an hour and 40-plus minutes. You're, you're, <laughs> I didn't even know we'd gone that long. <laughs> you're a true gentleman, and we're so grateful to have had you on our RSL Random Fan Podcast. Uh, Brand or well, Brandon, any last questions before we let him go? Oh, I just want to compliment you. I think you're amazing, man. I think you, I don't want you to be – I don't want you to stop doing what you're doing. I think you're – the voice of RSL. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And hopefully there'll be some way, but like I said, one way or another, you know, studio shows on game night, studio shows midweek, maybe something will happen with radio or Apple. We'll have to see. But the thing I've learned in broadcasting over the years is the only constant <gasps> change. You know? and, and the thing is, and, and the reason I'm willing to do stuff like this is it all rests with the audience. Managers come and go. They care whether you resonate with the audience. And so I'm happy you guys have this much passion for it. I'm happy anybody wants to listen to me talk about any sport, any team for this amount of time. And so I'll go on the radio and do it in the morning. And so Utes, Cougars, Jazz, you know, RSL, whatever. Uh, bring it on. Yeah. Just not just not the LA Chargers because that still breaks my heart. I don't really oh, that out loud. Yeah, we think, can't thank you enough. We didn't even get to end, ask you, you know, who you like better, DJ or PK or uh, – Dunny or PK, but uh, we'll leave. 
Here's the here's the truth. Those two have a lot in common. I have to be the straight man for both of them. They both love to torture me. Um, they're both because they goof around so much. I think both people are way more wired in than anybody knows. And I said something to Dunny earlier about where I'd like to get some info, and he just kind of looked at me like. And then after I got to know him for a while, I'm like, that's all old news to him. And I could get stuff, and it would be new news to the audience, but it was old news to Dunny. He was way up the pipeline. He was way upstream fishing. He was, <laughs> I'm not down in that worked over section of the river. I'm way upstream. <laughs> so they do have that in common. And um, PK throws opinions out there, and people go nuts. How could you say that? Literally, because the head coach of the team believes it and has texted with him and has told him that. That's why. <laughs> and you can't even guess which team because I know he's got multiple pipelines on multiple teams. You know, and Dunny's the same way. Like, you can talk to Dunny and he'll start telling you this player's going to go to that team, this player's going to go to this team. And like, I could stay on the West, but I start running out of bandwidth. But Dunny has said all he does is soccer. And the Clippers. That's the one thing that he's kept from his childhood in Southern California is the Clippers. But it's not the rest of the NBA, and it's not USC and UCLA, and it's not the Dodgers or the Angels. It's it's just the Clippers. So he's got the bandwidth. So when Dunny starts telling you Atlanta's going to do this, Cincinnati's going to do that, um, here's what they're thinking in New York. This is what Bruce is thinking. Like he's he has. Has he ever told you the Bruce Arena story? No. Oh my gosh. Okay, so Dunny is so wired in in the world of soccer, and I'll probably only get you 60% of the impact of this story because I won't do a good Dunny and I won't do a good Bruce Arena. And he does a very good Bruce Arena. I would stop the Thursday night show and just let him do Bruce Arena, and we would just cancel whatever we we're going to talk about if he'll start doing Bruce. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, Bruce, if, you don't, if you're not fully wired into this, like Bruce Arena is far and away the godfather of American soccer. Collegiate level professionally in MLS and U.S. national team. Who coached him when they went to the quarterfinals? Bruce. Who took him to two World Cups? Bruce. Who was there when they crashed out and didn't qualify? Bruce. You know, who won in Washington? Bruce. Who won in L.A.? Bruce. New England sucked forever. Why are they suddenly relevant? Bruce, right? And that didn't even get you back to the University of Virginia. Bruce is the man. He's wired in. Dunny finds out Landon Donovan isn't going to make the World Cup team. He is going to be left at home in 2014. And he says something. And Bruce is like, mm, no. And, and, Dunny, yeah. and, and Dunny played for him, so they know each other. And so then there's a game later, and it's gone public, and Landon's not on the team. And Bruce has not forgotten. He's, hey, Dunster. so they're pretty bleeping good. <laughs> he says as he's walking by him. And that's the only acknowledgement. And Bruce is a New Yorker, and he's right about everything, and it drives everybody nuts. But look at his track record. He usually is right about everything. Are the Galaxy doing better without him? Not even close. <clears throat> and so, but that one time, and that was a, I mean, if you remember, that was a big deal, Landon, not being on the national team for the World Cup. I mean, that was, that was a big deal. And, and, Bruce didn't know, and he knows everybody. He knows everybody, and Dunny knew, and Bruce didn't. And so that, that Dunny, Dunny got that out of him. I think he really savors that. Like, one time, I knew something Bruce didn't know, and Bruce admitted it. He acknowledged it. Yeah, classic. That's awesome. Like we said, we cannot thank you enough for joining us, and we look forward to having you on again uh, soon. All right, we'll do it. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate thank it. You. Thanks for uh, Thanks for watching and listening. Our pleasure.